0: and welcome back everyone to another episode of radio armor this is the 38th episode if i'm not wrong cyrus
1: uh well you that's what it says on my script here in front of me so yeah i assume so good
0: good stuff um thanks for being here with me cyrus how are you by the
1: way yeah yeah not too bad just got over christmas uh dealing with the stress of buying my first home it's uh it's fun wow (laughs) well i'm not there currently
0: but i'm thinking uh, i'm currently uh in the process of getting married so that's
1: another kind of trouble congratulations where was my invite
0: uh well um i could have uh bought you a plane ticket but you know it's a, a little far
1: away um, and i'd have to sit in quarantine for two weeks when i came back very true
0: so now it's time for the main topic of today's uh podcast um cyrus we are going to be introducing um multiple topics here uh in this Mm. whole in this whole interview um we'll we'll be talking about um voice acting about motion capture about uh our guests obviously and um miller which is the main topic of today's podcast uh from from it, it it his, the, the character's birth to his background to what he's become where he's coming from all of that uh will be in today's podcast so introducing first our, our first guest uh sorry is michael pithan uh, am i pronouncing that correctly michael
2: good morning sunshine
0: Oh, my God.
2: This is so cool. I'm very
0: happy to have you, Michael, on the show. Um, I mean, we were uh, in contact for a few weeks now. Uh, I first contacted you on the phone, which is... Uh, completely crazy for me like imagine the player the fan contacting the voice actor from his favorite game uh on the phone um, at first for the record do you know what cyrus he thought mm-hmm. i was going to sell him something <laughs> because he didn't know <laughs> you, you who... do have a sort yeah. of salesman voice yeah i uh, probably i didn't he didn't know who i was so obviously i had to no, explain
2: I, I was getting uh I was, i've been getting these uh spam calls from uh from someone who's obviously got my details and been selling them uh generously to other companies and my general technique these days is to just put on a a strange accent and pretend that i i just received the phone number and i don't speak english so (laughs) yes i
1: mean if it works it works
2: sorry sorry i don't understand who you i don't i don't know new number (laughs)
0: <laughs> but, uh, which, is, uh, yeah. which is amazing obviously and very easy for you as a voice actor i
2: guess but well um i, I yeah i guess so why not it works there's a tip for anybody who wants to get rid of cold callers just uh pretend you don't speak the language <laughs> they're speaking in
0: everyone has i think his own um his own option um, one one of mine is just like hanging up um, yeah um so, Michael, um, we know, so y- you uh, act, um, voice act Miller, but not only, we'll be talking about uh, the motion capture as well. Um, and so you have, with Miller at least, you have, and, and you still have right now, a very British accent. Where, yeah. where are you from actually?
2: Um, well, I'm actually from uh, Germany. I was. I'm. I'm a. I'm a German citizen. Yes, um, but I moved to England when I was seven and uh, grew up very English, of course. And uh, and now I'm living in Prague, in the Czech Republic, which is uh, how Jay met me because obviously Bohemia Interactive uh, have their offices here in studios. Um, so yeah, what I generally say is that I'm a bit of a confused European and and uh, obviously a bit more confused now with the. With the recent events across the water there in the UK, so um, mm. yeah, but we won't talk about that. We'll leave that. We'll leave that where it is.
0: And yeah. well, you 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 introduced our second guests, uh, ladies ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Jay Crow um, from Bohemia Interactive. Well, that was a few months ago. Uh, hi, Jay. How are you? <laughs>
3: I'm very well, thank you. It's splendid to be here on your podcast. Um, but yes, it, it's been a couple of years actually. Uh, I left Bohemia in in 2018, actually, um, and somehow now it's 2021.
1: Already,
0: already. Yeah, I was. I yeah. was like yeah, months. Where does the time really? go? Yeah. And then and then <laughs> you said 2018. I was oh, f- crazy. Okay, well, yeah. Uh, to me, it seems like months. So yeah. So well, um, you
3: could measure it by months if, if you wanted to be pedantic, I suppose. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> and Jay, you're well, you are British, though. Is that it?
3: Uh, that, yes, I, I I am. I was born in I was born in a place where my accent has completely disappeared. I'm from Newcastle uh, in the north of England. Um, oh. And every time I meet someone from like Britain or England, uh, people think I'm from somewhere completely other. Uh, I've I've lived outside of the UK for the last. Uh, decade plus and and my accent has has wandered around the world with me somewhat
0: that's great well um i think yeah what we can capture from this is uh the amount of traveling you guys have been doing and we'll obviously be talking about um all of that more in details especially for you jay because now you're you're in the other side of the world really so so yeah we'll, we'll be talking about that um afterwards Back to Michael first. Um, when did you start acting? Uh, was that your your first uh, your your dream job, or uh, did you stumble across a stage and just went for it?
2: Um, a bit of both, I guess. Um, I uh, I was always uh, kind of doing little little turns and tricks for the family uh, around the dinner table. Um, I'm the oldest grandchild by by almost a decade, so. Um, you know, they, they had, they had, uh, they had me to be their play thing, um, which I happily obliged and it, and it, and it was kind of fun just mucking around. I actually wanted to be a baker. That was my, that was my first thing. Uh, when my mother asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And then she pointed out, they start work at 2am and I thought, well, that's, that's not me. Um, and when I was, um, 12, uh, I was in a school production. I had one line in a Shakespeare play. And, uh, I enjoyed the buzz. Um, and yeah, and then it wasn't, it wasn't really the main thing. I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of interested in a lot of different topics, really. I, I love biology and history at school. And, um, and then when I left school, I just couldn't work out what, what to study. So I didn't go to university and I, and I did lots of different other jobs to pay rent and whatever else. And then, uh, eventually uh, through some contacts from, from youth theater, because um, I've been in a youth theatre company, um, I was put in contact with a uh, local professional theatre company that was local to where I was living in, in Gloucestershire in England, and uh, we started. Uh, we were touring around, basically doing s- school shows, some pretty pretty cool interactive school shows, and that company uh, went on to to make really excellent devised theatre where we just had a lot of fun in in four, five, six weeks of rehearsal creating new characters and stories and entertaining people. Um, never got to drama school. Tried tried out for drama school, but it didn't work out and it didn't feel like it was me, really. Um, and so I just kind of continued plucking away at it, um, playing theatre in England. And then when I moved to Prague in 2009, which seems like a, an age ago now, um, I started getting into uh, film work and, and voice work because that's, that was much more accessible here. Um, so that's kind of the route I've taken. Yeah.
1: Okay, did you did you move to Prague to to get into acting? Or? Yeah, that uh, was no. my next question. That's smart, <laughs> Cyrus. Good job.
2: <laughs> no, it was a, it was a woman. Yeah, um, she owed me oh. money. I followed her. <laughs> uh, I kind of got lost. in Pro- I lost the track in Prague, and uh, you know the beer was cheap, so I stayed.
0: Yeah, and Prague uh, is a very nice city as well. So.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was love. It was love. And uh, so it was a Czech woman who, who held my heart in her hands. Uh-huh.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah um, romantic. Speaking of hearts, what was your favourite role um, that you've done ever? I mean, uh, voice acting or, or theatre or whatever.
2: Um, yeah, so far, I guess, actually, I, I played Arthur Conan Doyle in a German TV programme uh, called Charité. Um, which, which was based um, kind of on real, on, on actual real history. It's a hospital in, in Berlin, and it was based around uh, Professor Koch, who claimed to have found the cure for tuberculosis. And um, Arthur Conan Doyle, who wrote Sherlock Holmes, of course. Um,
1: ah, that's where I know the name.
2: Yeah, yeah. So he, his wife actually, his first wife, um, died of tuberculosis, and um, what and he was actually a doctor himself a quite incredibly interesting man actually besides his interest in uh spirituality and whatever else he believed in in uh fairies and that you could speak with the other other side of the the ghostly realm but he was actually a doctor spent a year on a whale ship and all this kind of stuff so um it was really nice getting into him and and in their story he he travels to berlin to see if he can find a uh, what to, to find a cure for his wife basically um so that that was pretty cool, and uh, I also got to buy the costume. So I've got this amazing four <laughs> four piece uh, tweed suit that they uh, tailored uh, to fit to me. Oh, that's um, cool! Yeah, yeah. So that, he was he was a pretty nice character to get into.
0: Nice. Mm. Um, back to Czech Republic, where you said you were. Uh, that's where you you caught up with voice acting. Um, what events or what led you to doing voice acting for video games especially? Was it Bohemia Interactive?
2: Uh, Well, it was specifically actually um, a friend of mine, uh, Dan Brown, who does a number of voices, I believe on Armour as well. I'm sure Jay would have more of an idea what exactly. Um, And he was kind of in-studio director there and he'd put a number of jobs my way a really nice Canadian guy has uh, got a lot of experience in uh, voice work, and you know he studied theatre, lived in England for a while, and whatever else. And um, it's just one of the things in in Prague that come up because companies want to—I don't know—they want in some internal video for their staff, and obviously, English is the international language these days. Or um, there's commercials, uh, you know. Um, there's just lots of voice work actually. There's there's, t- there's dozens of studios here. Um, but it was through Dan and through him knowing that I, I do voice work that he put me up for uh, Captain Miller. And obviously there was a, a, a casting process um, and it worked out. Yeah, so that's that's how it happened.
1: It's not what you know, it's who you know.
2: Exactly. That's exactly what <laughs> I was thinking earlier, actually, uh, because I was going through the questions here that you sent. Mm. And, um it was exactly that and uh what's really cool in prague um is it is a, it is a relatively small pool of actors um we we don't maybe have the opportunities of london or new york or la or or whatever but we're we are a community um we do know each other and you know if jobs come up and they're looking for an american accent i put i put dan brown's name forward and he puts my name forward for other jobs so um okay yeah it's a, it's it's quite a a sharing community, which, which feels great actually.
1: Yeah, That's, that's pretty cool. So is, is, is there like a, a wider voice acting community that sort of passes the, everyone's names around or is it just sort um, of your I, I,
2: amongst, amongst the people I know for sure. Yeah. I, I don't, uh, okay. I, I don't feel there's any need to be stingy in that respect because I know, I know that people have put my name forward when they could have done the job, but they're looking for a different type of voice or a different accent. Um, and and so that feels really great because often there's a perception that within the acting world at least there is a lot of com- competition and there is a lot of competition um but also when you when you finally come to the realization that you if you're right for the part you'll get it and it's not it's not because you are uh, bad at your job that the job um doesn't come your way you know and at the end of the day the client chooses and the client wants the best thing and and um really i think if you're engage in a creative process you want that as well you know i mean there could have been any number of other guys who could have done miller but I, I i was the right fit at the right time and i I very much relished the opportunity to get involved and it was uh it was a lot of fun yeah <laughs>
0: that um good good In which other, so we know you've been working in other video games. Can you name some and can you share your experience with those uh, Uh, in in which, like, differences uh, or or similar, uh, how do you say that? Similarities. Similarities, thank
2: you. Um, Well, actually, sadly, I've only been in uh, one other computer game um but it's it's quite a big one i believe uh which is um kingdom come deliverance Um,
0: it is it's It's an amazing title i've finished the game like twice it's amazing
2: well we'll have to get you a horse henry um i was
1: about to say i didn't even realize that till just when you said it
2: (laughs) yeah yeah so i do lord Radzik, um Hmm. and uh, a lot more motion capture in that game and yeah uh, i bet but Yeah that was that's a that was a that was a hoot as well because I <laughs> again as I say it's a small uh, community so I was kind of going to their studios and ending up on on their set with three or four of my good friends basically and we were just having a good laugh and I'm driving them a bit crazy because there's too much chat between takes but you know <laughs> that's the way it goes
0: well let's yeah. uh, dig in deeper on voice acting and especially in the bohemian interactive um era i'd say uh, like in the armor three era um how much direction and i know this question um before i ask the question i know this question could have been uh, answered by by jay but i specifically wanted your approach and your words um Mm -hmm. as the directed instead of having the director uh, speak upon uh, upon this one how much direction did you get from um get on on your acting on your voice acting um and... just
2: too much too much is the answer <laughs> uh i mean it was just every other word it was can you say it like this please michael you know like uh, oh my god um it's true no, it's true no not not <laughs> no not not really um no jay was jay was fun to work with and as i say dan uh, between jay and dan um you know, it, they they had a good team there, and obviously uh, Jay had a vision of what he he wanted the character to sound like. So, um, if there was direction, it was more about giving the right juice at the right moment, um, uh, and uh, also creating the right atmosphere for the specific scene. Because as a as an actor, you've just got lines in front of you, and um, when it's motion capture sure you've 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 got the option to move but then you're also kind of with the within the restriction of the of of that uh suit space Uh, i guess the the space exactly you've got all these cameras and you've got to move in a certain way um when it comes to just straight up voice Mm. acting um the as i say the directing was more about finding the right tone because there are multiple ways of delivering the same line, especially for the shout-outs, you know, because, uh, um, I mean... Do you
0: mean do you mean the, the radio feeds?
2: Yeah, so like, you know, um, enemy 100 meters uh, northwest or whatever it is. I mean, I you're, ju- yeah. you're just kind um... of... Because then the engineers or, or however it's done split that up and it, they come up throughout the game, so they have to be delivered in a... Neutral enough way that they are usable whenever, wherever, but at the same time they have to have the right uh, feeling. So you, you, you kind of—I uh, don't know if this is giving too much away—but basically, you, you've got the the quiet commands, obviously, in a mm. in a in a situation where the you're, the player is under threat and is sneaking in somewhere. Uh, shouted commands, and then just kind of neutral. We're on our way somewhere. Um, so getting, getting that right is quite fun. And actually, there was, a, there was a bit of competition between the actors to see who could do them the quickest. Um, <laughs> I still think I won, actually. Dan Brown insists I didn't, but he went out for an extra cigarette break. So Joe, Joe, Joe Weintraub still has the title, I believe. But uh, I'm not bitter about it at all. Uh, there we are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Amazing stories. <laughs> I've, I've got this image of you guys like sitting there at a starting line with a with a microphone ahead of you.
2: Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I actually prefer to stand normally. Some some voice actors prefer sitting, but I. I um, yeah, it's funny. Everyone, you, you do a lot of moving actually um, hmm. when you do voice acting. It's really important. Um, uh, they say smile on the product because it shows through the voice. So if you're trying to sell something, you know, you really gotta. You you have to put a big fat American smile on your face, otherwise... Uh,
0: I've heard that d- as well for my own job, you know, me, meaning I'm in, a, in a, a service desk or something. Right. And, and you have to, to you know, uh, pass on the fact that it's going to be okay through what you're saying to the customer, even though it's total chaos.
2: <laughs> sure. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, if 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 you're supposed to be out of breath when you're when you're doing some of these shout outs or you know oh. for, for for this game, then then you kind of do a few star jumps in the room and kind of run on the spot a bit and just kind of get the blood pumping because there's, you you can't really it's not possible, I think, to cheat that very much. And also, um, yeah, I mean, like when it's when it's loud uh, commands, you know, I'm I'm waving my arms around, pointing in directions. There,
0: there, <laughs> there they are, go get them. Yeah. You, know, you need to make it uh, realistic. Is that what you're saying?
2: Give it give it the energy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Talking about um realism, um I, I we'll talk about this probably later, but um Miller is a British special forces um dude and he has a very strong uh, British accent. That's, yeah, that's
2: Captain that's Captain Miller to you son. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah.
0: And and the, it also makes the whole um the whole legend around the, you know, and the and the whole impression uh yeah. around the whole the, the 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 character. Um did that accent uh, did you have to to train that accent specifically for Miller or was it pretty much natural?
2: Um it not. I didn't have to train. I've been playing with UK accents for as long as I can remember. Really, I, I guess. Because back to your question about when I wanted to be an actor, I didn't know I wanted to be an actor, but I just liked mucking about. You know, this is kind of. I mean, I grew up with uh, pre pre internet, really, and no mobile phones. So I entertain entertain myself by just making my way around the British Isles with various accents, like you know, and just. Um, <laughs> And of course, that estuary, that as in Thames estuary, sort of around London, is quite ubiquitous these days. It's it's very prevalent. Um, I mean, where, where I grew up in the West Country, we we tend to sound like farmers who go out milking the cows mm-hmm. and look, that's them. That don't really do Captain Miller's. I go, oh, go get them, boys. You know, I might, I that tank there. You'll have you. You gotta watch out there, buddy. Um, I didn't, I didn't train. So someone, such...
1: Someone's going to clip that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, Yeah. So it's, I didn't train specifically, but um, I do work on, on my voices. I mean, in terms of voice work, I would love to do like cartoon voices. That would be something amazing, but that's a, that's an incredible skill. I mean, if any of you watch family guy or or Simpsons, you realize it's like four actors doing all the work, Mm -hmm. you know, they're they're incredible people. And, and, uh, that's, that's an insane skill, really. And uh, yeah, I'm constantly working on my American accent, which Jay's actually got a really <laughs> good American accent, and uh, mine still sucks. My present girlfriend is American, and she tells me all the time, "So you got to get your tongue down. What are you doing? Like you yeah, just, you know, because um, the, the the British are very tight, uh, small. They, they, everything's stiff. This is the stiff upper lip, and the Americans they they let everything hang out there in the back, and I still can't quite get the american accent but you know, <laughs> i am enjoying this podcast it's, so it's, much it's better than my attempts that's for sure <laughs> yeah well actually my you know i i uh you might recognize the the voice but uh, my good friend mark cram he's uh he does stuff on Armory. Like, mark cram yeah i'm there he plays a general does he jay i can't remember
3: now mark uh he we, we can talk maybe more about mark later he's one of my my favorite characters um <laughs> sergeant adams um so he's uh oh, he plays a commanding yeah. role uh to the player at the start of the the campaign um but yeah he has this well, we, we can talk more later but we had to get rid of him because i enjoyed his voice too much if you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's
2: got he, he's got he's got an incredible uh singing voice i i have never heard such a deep bass voice and um but that's my kind of my my in into Americans. I just pretend down I'm from Florida down there and I might go and get a burrito later and you know no, I don't know um but I can't yeah I can't do it. But it's such fun it's so fun um hearing my friends voices in in games and uh yeah it's quite odd.
0: <laughs> that yeah I was going to say that must be weird and even even hearing yourself. Um did, I don't know if you played Armour 3. Did you
2: I I, I I must admit i'm not a gamer I'm a, I, w- I would be useless i mean uh, hearing
0: yourself um, hearing yourself um, in in a video uh, a video game uh, a film or something isn't that um, weird
2: it used to be it used to be but then you get used to hearing yourself pretty quickly you have to as a voice actor because you you're um you're working with the headphones, really. I, I when I record, I, I record with one ear on and one ear off, so I can hear myself in the room as well as through the system. Um, so you get used to it? I'm still not. I'm still not very happy seeing myself. I, it's it's a bit stranger watching myself doing TV stuff. Um, but it's you know it's it. You get used to it. It's the work. It's the job. So you you have yeah. to kind of be able to self critique and Mike microphone technique you can't you can't cheat that really you know you're either going to get in close to the mic and realize you've got one of those voices that works with the resonance or you you have to um you have to get over that pretty quickly yeah
0: well hopefully you'll be uh listening uh, listening to yourself on the this podcast and also critic yourself on performance <laughs> um we were talking about um the actual recording um did you record uh at bohemian interactive studios or did you record in your own studio because i i know you have your own thing um how did that work
2: yeah no i didn't have a uh studio at the time uh that's only come together in the last couple of years and it's very it's a somewhat limited setup i suppose um could get away with it you know but you'd have to sort of have live links and stuff doesn't make any sense uh being in the country so yeah we just drove out to Nishek uh, Podbrdy as oh I shouldn't have given that away maybe I don't know whatever I guess you can find it on on the on internet but um yeah no the the studios are in this amazing old um pyramid shaped wood villa it's a mental building Mm -hmm. actually yeah um and out in the garage they got a little voice studio and they've also got a huge hall which has got the motion capture in it so that was that was done out there
0: yeah don't bother yeah, about so the no. yeah don't bother about the location we we all know where the studio is. yeah yeah i, was, I
2: kind of I, I figured the moment i said it i was like oh, come on they know yeah yeah
3: okay so someone so in the community has made a, a an entire mod of yeah. um of, of the studio and its tank uh, yeah, so yeah it's, that's, it's a really nice Okay, exactly. Bucky's done that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, And so we're closing in here on voice acting. And our last question is, uh, do you have any tips for Armour 3 modders uh, who would want to do their own voice acting for their mods, their scenarios or whatever?
2: Um, Yeah, Uh, obviously, you know, having a certain amount of decent equipment is good but that's very easy these days and i'm sure most of the people who are going to be listening to this are way more tech savvy than i am uh in terms of uh, voice work itself then you 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 um, you you have to kind of be able to uh where am i going with this basically you have to be uh, more tonally aware let's say you have to kind of learn to sing with your voice somewhat um if we if you actually look at it most men talk In three registers and most women talk in five. Uh, So you can start practicing. um, If you listen to reporters on the street, what you'll find is that their voices go up like this. And the reason they do that is because what they're talking about is pretty darn dry and uninteresting. But here I am standing in front of the Houses of Parliament and you can see something is happening. So you've got to learn how to use use the colour of your voice. And um, sight reading is important. Um, if you're, if you're working in a professional studio, because, um, they, they, you, the company or the client is paying by the minute often. And, uh, the quicker you can get out of there, or at least by the hour, the quicker you can get out of there, the happier they are, the happier the engineer is less mistakes, less editing and so on. So site reading, um, I mean, the way I was taught is you, you, you buy a newspaper, which you know, are on are very often these days and and you basically try and learn to read without shifting your eyes the the column as you go down and obviously read it out loud because you gotta get used to doing that um Hmm. that's that's kind of in terms of of voice work then you need a um if you want to go out and get jobs you need to go and get yourself a reel again you can make your own reel find out what that means a dramatic reel is it a, a commercial reel are you interested in doing cartoon voices that kind of stuff um and in terms of, you know, for your for your mods for putting videos together, obviously, you know, have an idea of what script you want to use, um, and just make sure you can deliver it in the in the time frame that your video is. I I don't know if that kind of answers it. It um, does. The the industry, depending on where you are, can be pretty ferocious uh i know not from experience but just from reading and talking to people like in la it's it you can earn seriously good money but get your foot in the door to become a recognized voice takes a lot of effort and the same is somewhat true in in london and then to kind of be professional in those arenas you want to you want to get yourself an agent which is not as cutthroat as getting a, a straight up acting agent i don't think um that said uh, a lot of stuff is done on the internet these days and there are various um platforms where you can sign up and pay a monthly fee or whatever else and then you, and then you bid for jobs but there's but you know there's people really un, trying to undercut uh actors there and it, it kind of sucks uh, i mean a buddy of mine was offered to do a youtube video they wanted to give him 7 dollars minus costs or something <laughs> and it's like well hang on you this is a product you're selling right uh, and they're like yeah it's, good. it's like well no thanks then um so just to be aware of that, don't just, don't just give your voice away for, for free. And, um, and it's not short. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's wide open. I mean, there's, there's um, I've got uh, another friend um, who's also in, in um, Kingdom Come who uh, basically pays the rent here in Prague by doing uh, uh, online voice work. But, then he, but he's been doing it for decades, so he's kind of got quite a good recognition for that.
0: Okay, yeah. thank you. So, let's um, finish on voice acting with a request that was put out by Operate Heaven. <laughs> um, they are a British uh, unit. They are a very funny bunch. Uh, so, shout out to them. Uh, they have put out a sentence, or well, multiple small sentence. Really, um, that (laughs) they told were a very big laugh for them for like ages um, in their own unit. Um, And so, um, if you if you are okay with that, um, we'll have you uh, voice act (laughs) that
1: that part. So, so if you're just saying about not uh, not doing anything for
2: free, Uh, contracts in the post. Uh, my yeah, agent yeah, will we'll... be calling yeah no <laughs> <laughs> oi it's me i'm i'm bloody miller bloody hell
0: I'm bloody British Special Forces. Amazing, thank you. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be very happy, and and we're thanking you obviously for for doing that um, for free. <laughs> no, no worries, no worries. So now let's shift to motion capture. Um, we've uh, so I was I was calling it motion tracking, really, but we figured out it was the same word or same same meaning behind it. Um, so let's call it motion capture because that seems to be the the real words real term um and on that topic uh, cyrus i think we have uh several mm. questions we do
2: so for, for
0: people
1: who don't know what what is motion capture
2: um well motion capture essentially is uh using an actor's real body uh, and capturing the, the movement but then uh overlaying um another uh body or creature or whatever else so i mean famously lord of the rings the golem for example uh was done by motion capture and so um in in armor 3 uh, the introduction that was done by miller uh was was done in the motion capture studio and uh obviously then the 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 very clever technicians have got all their uh programs and their writing and they can make the the bodies move how they want and then other games use it more um extensively uh so for cutscenes, for example for kingdom come deliverance um there's there was a lot of motion capture and actually they were doing multiple actors in the room at the same time um Uh. which is pretty cool essentially you wear a, a suit which makes your um you know beer belly uh look very exciting uh, it's a bit like a wetsuit, and then they stick little um, kind of velcro balls all over your body at various points, um, which then are matched up by the computer um, into sort of f- figures and um, and they track your movement essentially as you 're talking, so simultaneously recording the voice and then those two are matched back together later on yeah
0: are there common points uh, with real acting on a stage
2: um yes you have to learn your lines um (laughs) and uh you have to kind of be physically aware of the space but you're actually being shot in 3d um so it's a little it's a bit different about being aware where the audience is although of course theater can be played in in a in a in a round setting as well um, but you're mm, also using, you're yeah. also using a microphone. So you're not, it's, it's more in that respect, like film acting. Um, and that's something really that I'm learning about as I'm doing more film acting is that if you, uh, I don't want to ruin movies for people, but if you actually watch actors, many of them are not talking very loudly at all. Um, to the extent, just to give this kind of go off on a tangent here, to an extent that actually sometimes when you're on set with people, you can barely hear them. So a lot of those, yeah. a lot of those film actors are actually, or can be, not all of them, but a, a lot of them can be quite difficult to work with because you're standing two metres away, and uh, they're literally just saying their lines like this because they're working on a microphone, which is great for the sound recordist and for the editor because they're catching something uh, really, really low. In there. does anybody do you, uh, do you watch Vikings? Have you watched any of that? Yeah, mm. of course. Okay, so the, the the king of Wessex, yeah, you know I am talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's like in season uh, two and three or whatever it is. I haven't got that far. Um, he if if you go back and watch it again, he really uses the microphone, right? But to oh, the extent okay. where, but to the extent where, when you are a voice actor and an actor, you are like that is way too quiet because. Uh, I'm going to get closer to the mic now because what he does is he talks to his son like this and yes, we can beat the Vikings. Right. Um, okay. but he's talking, but he's talking to his son in a freaking huge room of a castle and you, <laughs> and you would never use that volume because you couldn't be heard. And it actually throws me because I'm listening to the dude and I'm like, that's way too quiet. You're using the mic very well, but it's not realistic. So, um, yeah. So that's, so in terms of the motion capture, you're, you, 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 um, you, you're being more aware of the space that they're telling you you're in. So that if you're outside, you cannot talk in the same way. On stage, you are constantly projecting. You have to. Um, mm, so, you you so, talk
1: to the back of the hall, basically.
2: Yeah, yeah. And actually, mm. um, uh, I had an interesting insight into that about a year and a half ago from a, fil- a, a film director who, who teaches on, on camera technique. And he said, theatre is actually an auditory medium and film is a visual medium. So it's kind of, it's different. So in that sense, that's where the common points mismatch because it's not, you're using uh, movement for the sake of capture and you're really using your voice as if you were doing film. Yeah, that's a long way around to answer that question.
0: What's the most (laughs) um, difficult thing about motion capture in your sense? What's your most um, uh, difficult experience, let's say?
2: um well i mentioned before that you're you're captured in 3d so actually for the when we were doing multiple actors a complication was that you're blocking cameras because they have to get you from a certain number of angles uh. so we we had to be aware of not getting too close uh, one thing if you're picking up objects which they also sometimes would mark up um you you have to be aware of not putting it close to your body because otherwise the computer just merges it with your body um <laughs> And then the the, the the hardest thing we found actually was um, for for Kingdom Come. I know we're supposed to be talking about armor here, but um, they had a lot of script changes up until the day we were um, recording. And they were quite lengthy cutscenes, you know. And I'm pretty good at learning lines, but when you're getting stuff, um, four scenes, you know, a day before, a day and a half, two days, and you're like, it's not in my head. And they want to try and do it in one take. So when I said, you know, learning lines and I gave a little chuckle, it's because I remember at various points um various actors would just have pieces of paper glued up, um, including on each other, um, so you could read your lines. I'm hope- I'm sorry I'm not ruining the game for you, but um so that was that was quite tricky because um you you don't you don't always have it down, you know, and obviously uh, mm. if you're if you're in a voice studio, you've got the text in front of you and it doesn't matter. Um, whereas with motion capture you're supposed to learn all this stuff but you don't have necessarily have the leisure of uh, rehearsals like you do for stage um, and then last minute changes, you know, we'd come in the morning and they'd be like, oh, we want to change this section. So uh, that, that, was, that was the most difficult thing actually when there, when there were like four, five, six page scenes of text and stuff. Oh, I see. Yeah.
0: Okay, and, and so on the contrary, uh, what was your most memorable moment about motion capture
2: um it's uh i guess um (laughs) just seeing a bunch of middle-aged guys uh in in suits which really do their figures no good at all um dancing around because they'd have a screen up where you could see your dot body moving around and we were just kind of all you know um, busting some moves and doing some dancing so that was that was quite fun (laughs)
1: <laughs> what you're telling me is that there's there's a secret Miller dance tape somewhere in the world.
2: Uh, not with Miller, I'm afraid. No. Uh.
1: no.
0: Well, no. Um, well, th- there is actually, but it was created by by. Uh, users i mean by players i mean yeah modders. i've seen I've,
2: se- I've i've seen that yeah when he's yeah, uh, dancing it's, a, it's in a ship's hold or something and he's uh...
0: something like that yeah <laughs> i mean yeah. you know you can you can create every anyone can create some um animations is part of part of what you can create and add to the game as a mod well uh obviously someone created uh, uh a dance and applied it to Miller. so <laughs>
2: <laughs> indeed um,
0: Thank you so much, um, Michael, for sharing your experience, which is very valuable on on this on those topics and especially on on your contribution to um, armor three We sincerely hope that it all um, continue on and hopefully you can react to the following topics. Uh, hi, Jay. Uh, welcome back Hello. to the podcast. You've been very silent until now. And that was intended because here comes all the stories about Miller. But before <laughs> we before we go into Miller's story, let's uh, talk a bit about your story. Um, well, obviously, with what you can say, because there are probably still things that you cannot um, but, um, here's the first thing, uh, which, uh, roles or jobs, um, did you have during your, your time at Bohemia Interactive?
3: Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, to talk about the experience. It's, uh, definitely working with, uh, with Bohemia was one of the, um, the happiest times uh, of, of my professional career. I have a lot of friends there still to this day, so it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here and to, to have a chance to, to talk about some of those memories, um. Uh, I've worn a lot of different hats uh, at Bohemia. I I think it's also a a function of the nature of the company, this independent sort of feisty Czech game developer. Um, You're not sort of in your silo doing your thing. You're you're contributing wherever you can and and sort of picking things up and running with it. But I started out um, originally as a designer, um, focusing on world design. Um, So I guess Practically speaking, the, the first thing I, I helped to to make, the first thing I contributed to was was uh, Pakistan uh, for Arrowhead. Um, so I was a I was working on like the north and the east of the map, as I remember, um, which which was an interesting time, and that was my sort of uh, I, I worked at the the Mishik Studio uh, as Michael was mentioning, um, uh, and, and Pakistan was was the first thing that I sort of made a contribution to. Um, um, quick, quick question here: D- Does that involve you um, building
0: the terrain, or imagining it, or, or I don't know, uh, drawing it, or whatever?
3: Uh, I think again, uh, to, to hit on that point about Bohemia being a bit sort of you wear lots of hats. It's a little bit of world building in, in the macro sense, like talking about the, the, the culture and the history. Of what Pakistan is this? This sort of real. Inspired by real life place, but fictionality. Um, so it's a little bit of this. Um, but it, right when I came in, there was a lot of clicking. You know, there was a lot of let's build this this location. Um, so I, I I remember like Garmasar, Garm. <laughs> I could never pronounce the name of the towns by the way, but uh, Gamarud. Um, adding forests to that part of the map. It was very sort of build something, see what it looks like, go and work with the mission designers to see uh, what they need, how it's working, what else we might change. Uh, and at the same time, think about, like, yeah, the advertisements uh, in, in the world and and, uh, and this sort of meta-lore sort of thing, which is fascinating.
1: Okay. I feel like we could have an hour-long conversation about that whole process, to be honest. <laughs> Absolutely, visit Maybe, maybe <laughs> another time. <laughs> mm.
0: So you started out as um, how did how did you call that a level designer? Is that it? Well, I mean, I think
3: officially I was a, a world artist, but it world was artists. essentially a a designer, a level designer, a world designer. This is all sort of yeah interchangeable kind of words.
0: I, I think level designer is more for for missions or for scenarios. I think uh, bu- I mean building yeah. the actual uh, scenario. Okay, and then what did you do then? Well, um, I mean, move I, like on like I said, to. Uh,
3: yeah. Uh, uh, well, maybe we can we can sort of start at the end. So uh, uh, for the <laughs> longest time in Bohemia, I, w- I was working as creative director, and and mostly for Armor Three. Although right at the end of my time with Bohemia, it was a sort of a cross project role. But sort of getting there was sort of at first this gradual process, and then kind of all of a sudden I was doing this. So r- right after had, um sort of the Brno team. Who had been sort of cooperating with the Nishek team, uh, they started to work on another project, and and that sort of gave me some space to take on some more responsibility. So I started working on the, you know, as the token Brit of the of the studio, I started helping on the British Armed Forces DLC, and then later, together uh, primarily together with uh, Carol Majitsky, um uh, the PMC DLC, which we, I had a bit more sort of stake in again uh, and meanwhile jumping into some public facing stuff like making some tutorial videos about the, the armor 2 editor uh, and improving my sqf skills and, and creating this dialogue with the community um and i was just about to go and work on as i remember the acr dlc the, the army of the czech republic um project uh, and then this new project came along called take on helicopters um and i sort of jumped in there alongside yoroshian Jan land um uh, as the sort of creative lead on this project uh, and together we, we uh, with with a team of about 20 or 30 in Nishek, this was our sort of original ip sort of spin off of the of real virtuality into this helicopter experience um, and after that then we sort of streamed back into what was what had become at that point the armor 3 project and I, and i sort of streamed in as a co creative director role alongside uh Ivan Bukta um, who was kind of running the vision of Armour 3 at that time in, in the Brno studio uh, while I was sort of set up in, in Mishek. Okay and so
0: what does a creative director do exactly? What was your daily job?
3: <laughs> well um, so, so in one way or another I've, I guess I've done the, the, the role of a creative director for about um, about eight years and I can definitely say it it's totally variable by the project, by the team, by company, sort of by day to day. There's a big difference between you know uh, being a creative director at Bohemia and at PUBG, where I moved to afterwards, uh, and now at Google, where where I'm where I am in Canada. Um, they're all very different roles with the same sort of job title, right? Um, and even within Bohemia, there's kind of no set definition uh, between the studios or the projects. Um, for Armor Three, I guess. Which is what we're most interested in. It, it involved like a lot of product direction, I guess you could call it. Sort of, I set out a lot of roadmaps over the years, the the updates, the expansions, okay. the DLCs, um, and they all have their own kind of individual vision and direction. So my role was really centered around around this, um, uh, and I, and I think like despite like you know there are a lot of different jobs to do with this role, but there may be a few common things I could talk about like. the the job description is to propose and to build a vision right and with respect to, to games like a vision articulates like the values of a product um it's something which is kind of changes over time and you have this team who are bringing all of these ideas and discovering things during the process so it's this sort of continual alignment role sort of getting every ship to sail in the right direction sort of um the project is the aircraft carrier and the and the team are the sort of the flotilla of little boats and we need to get everyone sailing in the right direction so it's this job of constant alignment and and discussion of ideas and, and promotion and of uh of the best ideas um as they as they match the vision um so it's it's a very diverse uh, sort of Challenge, but it's a lot of fun, and it's really about working with people uh, and about um, maintaining this sort of unified direction. Some people uh, call it
2: herding but <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, that's, 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 that's funny. You were going to say that, but I was going to say, but also coming in uh, right on the direct level of of working with the with the voice actors and making sure that that whole vision matches up not only for what you you uh, were envisaging, but I remember you saying a few times this is kind of talking on behalf of other people who were designing or it was their part of the game or whatever it is um and it's funny you talk about herding cats because that is that that is what directing actors actually is 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 herding cats so uh, yeah yeah
3: yes exactly it's sort of an interface between the intention and the, the result let's say
0: and so um now so you kind of mentioned what you were doing now how do you approach your new projects as a as a director um in, in your new jobs, obviously, you're not in the gaming industry anymore, as what I understand.
3: Well, uh, t- to be honest, I, I am. Um, and to answer your question directly, like you, you approach it like new projects are, are, are amazing because there's so much potential in this so little has gone wrong at this point that you have a lot of optimism and excitement and plans and, and great intentions, uh, which isn't always the case at the end of five years. Um, so at Google, actually, uh, I'm working for, for Google Stadia. Um, so that's the gaming sort of division of Google. Uh, I work for the, in what they call the the, the first party um, portfolio section of the team. So Google making games themselves, which really express, uh, uh, define what it is to 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 be a game on their platform so it, it's it's very early days uh the, the mission is to to, to create a, a new game um but yeah very early
0: days cool so maybe sometime soon we'll see uh, google stepping in as a game designer game developer game publisher i guess because they'll probably do all of that themselves um next question is uh, going to be actually a very good transition to um miller and his story uh what is your favorite parts of developing Armor 3's story um and um uh, not only your favorite part in the development but in directing in whatever you you may have been uh, doing during those years um and during the the creation of Arma 3 and its story
3: it's it's a very it's a very big question but i think uh, <laughs> mm, i think that the answer is kind of equally as big like the, the the best part about uh like contributing to the Arma 3 story would be uh thinking about the Armorverse, like it, armor verse like it's an 3 doesn't exist just on its own right there's this rich sort of history surrounding the series uh some characters we know some some events um and so thinking about the armaverse, uh putting it in inside this in a coherent way which sort of calls back to some things that we might have known from years ago or uh plant some seeds for some stuff which maybe we'll see in the future um like thinking about it as this big living thing which you want to make a story which you tell and and is cool or, or whatever, but then really you want to give the community these kind of tools. This there's law, this history that they can dive into and kind of make their own stories, their own sort of interpretations or spin-offs or or whatever. Um, and I think that's that's really something which Arma 3 particularly does uh, in a way that's unique. Um, it tells a story, but it gives narrative sort of beats and tools to community uh, members to go off and and make their own and, and take it further.
0: Nice. So transitioning now to Mela, his birth, his evolution, the character itself, um, his story and everything. And we're going to start off with a question. So we we uh, reached out to the community um on Twitter uh and on Discord, but Twitter had um had a better audience for that. And uh we Asked people to provide questions that they may want to ask Miller if they had to to, to meet him, uh, or or if they you know if if they had uh, the chance to to talk about him. And here we are talking about Miller and my. So sorry if I mispronounced the nickname, uh, but on uh, Twitter it's uh, Mickey Ryu. Uh, he's he's asking, uh, does Miller know General Shepherd uh, from uh, Call of Duty: Modern Warfare? 2? obviously, we we will excuse you if you don't have the answer.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know if he'd um, if he'd know General Shepherd personally. I, I think he'd find him a bit too sort of uh, one-dimensional. Like that that character is that 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 guy <laughs> is a bit of an antagonist. He's a bit black and white, you know. I think Miller would think he's uh you know, a bit too gung-ho, a little bit too American, perhaps. Uh, Miller's agenda is maybe, you know, far more shades of grey uh, in the shadows sort of thing. Um,
1: yeah, uh, I, think he... I
3: like the image of shades of grey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He'd be back there pulling strings, not, uh, yeah, putting himself out there as the big bad. I see. So starting off with Miller and his story,
0: um, where does Miller come from? Um, what's his... Where 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 does the the actual character come from? How did you create him? How did you imagine him? Where, who who came up with mm. that idea? And and what was the original idea? Maybe.
3: Yeah, uh, I mean, the answer to answer that, it sort of it goes back in time a bit. Uh, uh, as I mentioned, the um, after Arrowhead, the, the Burner team had started working on this other project, and you know at that 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 was something which would then become Armour three so that was you know two thousand nine two thousand ten these characters this world of of what would become armor three was was being thought about, and Miller really traces his roots back back to there um I think I- Ivan Buchter was really the the original sort of father of, of miller um I think even it's funny like the miller as a name i'm pretty sure it's his, like it's his mother's maiden name in czech or in german <laughs> or it's his grandmother's maiden name i think it is ironic that uh that michael talks about wanting to become a baker uh, and he's he's called miller somehow there's a there's some fate in history there anyway <laughs> so um <laughs> uh yeah it originally comes from 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 Ivan's uh vision of this kind of Royal, Royal Marines Commando turned SBS uh, sort of officer uh, that joins into this kind of shady CTRG, uh, uh, this research group, this slightly unclear remit sort of thing. Um, and he's, so, yeah, I, I guess it sort of touches upon the original uh, v- vision of the game that was being explored, something which Marek Spaniel, the, the CEO of. Uh, of Uh, bohemia talked a little bit about in a i think it was a Eurogamer interview a couple of years ago uh, and he he mentioned um you know originally the team was exploring these questions about uh, aliens and and, and this rpg sort of style of game and um and miller's character within that was very different he was much more of a a protagonist the player would was playing as miller in this role as ctrg um oh so we could have we could have actually been miller Yes, but I think that would have ruined everything. Uh, I think Miller's mystique comes from, his, from not really knowing him. And so uh, a lot changed about Miller, as you sort of mentioned, uh, from his original conception. But yeah, a lot stayed the same. Like he's still, you know, the same backstory. Uh, uh, and he's um, he, the, the CTRG team that he was part of. This, this has all stayed the same, but his, his role within that kind of morphed over the years. Hmm, okay. So, is he yeah. is he
1: based on anyone in, in the real world or have you kind of just pulled him out of thin air? I,
3: I think for sure on a,
1: he's a fictional character, right?
3: Uh, I mean, we we do some research, uh, you know, about the military structures and where he could have come from. And we did think a lot about like, you know, we can say like, yeah, he's meant to be born in the north of England. He has like a, a wife, he has a kid, he was part of the Royal Marines. So he has this very realistic kind of background. I'm not sure if that's ever really sort of, mentioned you know during the meeting him as a character in the game but he 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 comes from a a a realistic let's say starting point um uh but it's it's for sure just a sort of a a fictional representation of of someone
0: and um are there any any uh, facts or details about him um that are not actually featured in the game things that um mm. could have been but we're not
3: good question um i'm sure there's i'm sure there's a lot um what well, could be interesting um well, i mentioned like he has this this history so as a in in the very early days of of uh the exploration I, i'm pretty sure players would have met his wife and his kid i think those were actually characters um mm-hmm. uh i don't remember the kid's name the wife is kate miller so what's her story? What's she up to now? I don't know.
2: Maybe you don't we... want to know, mate. You don't want to know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Nothing good.
0: Maybe we can we can have that in future releases um, in Arma 3 because um, Arma 3 is obviously not, not finished with, so there's still things that are going to be popping out. So, yeah, let, let's hope we can meet Kate somewhere, somewhere along the journey. Yeah, that would be cool um so we have diego94 um from twitter is asking where's east wind currently and Uh, and before before you answer yeah before you answer spoilers the um the bohemian interactive team uh in charge of um uh, of the twitter uh, the armor 3 twitter already answered safe
3: <laughs> so, oh so you, you can build from there probably yeah it's it's in it's in safe hands we can only speculate i think um <laughs>
0: yeah let's see we can ask because uh, that
3: thing is was powerful the... <laughs> exactly is it the only device are there more out there did they do different things Ooh. that's the that's the question
2: that's the question you should really be asking, Diego. Yeah, why don't you ask me, mate? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I love this podcast.
0: Um, yeah, so we have also um, uh, shells hawk uh, or shell shock sorry i'm i'm really sorry if i'm butchering some nicknames here
1: you need to uh, come play with Sparta more man
0: yeah probably um which countries is uh has miller played a significant role uh, in kindly uh seizing or borrowing technology
3: from <laughs> it's a very uh to a, a very shades of gray way of asking it um well uh, yeah i think in the apex campaign it was kind of implied that there were shady ctrg teams kind of deployed around the world sort of anywhere you can find uh csat you'd find uh you'd find ctrg with some some business doing it so i am not sure i think he's been on every continent i think wherever you find trouble uh, mm-hmm. you, you'll find miller you'll have I to think, check uh, michael's think, passport
0: yeah i <laughs> i think that's really how we can define the the character is trouble where is trouble where is miller that's the same thing. Um, how yeah. does um, writing, acting a game character differ from a more conventional character? That's
3: uh, a, a really interesting question. I, I think I'd, I'd sort of I call back to one of Michael's answers before. I almost jumped in, but I, I didn't want to interrupt him. Um, I think there's a really interesting uh, discussion to be had about the differences and similarities between uh, writing for the screen and for the stage and and for games. Um, and I always had this, like, want to sort of... When I was um, helping other writers in, in, in Bohemia, I would come up with this example of uh, the difference between them. Um, this, this idea of... Uh, like, you have a character and he, and he walks into a room and he has a gun in his hand, right? Um, and in a film, that can be sort of an unspoken thing. Like, a director has a camera and he can sort of show the gun in his hand and we have this threat and it's obvious. And as the viewer... We know that we've seen this gun right um but in theater like on the stage could be at this giant sort of auditorium you you can't say for sure that the audience will see this tiny little prop gun so in that case it's a stupid example but the writing might need to include a line like oh my god he's got a gun and and we we sort of prompt the audience to understand the, the change in context and for games it's it's something similar to this like particularly open world design less linear games you have this kind of uh, multi-dimensional theatre because it's we can't we can't say where the audience's attention is. We can't, and not only that, but the audience is playing this active role in the drama. So, so writing in this context is uh, has its own unique challenges. But there's really interesting sort of crossovers between these other formal styles of writing. Um, yeah, and and just as in character terms, it really depends if we are talk like. We were saying before, are we talking about the protagonist, the player character, or are we talking about some NPC, someone that you're not going to be playing? So for Miller, he can be this very strong personality. He can have his own agenda. Uh, but for me, at least in armor, I always preferred this more kind of neutral base character because this player's identity is sort of part of the character that they're playing. And if he's mm. he's got too much flavor, it's sort of, yeah, it can start to clash a little bit. Um yeah i see and that
0: is a very good transition um to storytelling because that was the last topic on our list um i'm i'm not very familiar with storytelling but are there trends um in storytelling i'm asking this question because uh i've been playing for instance the latest uh red dead redemption for example which mm. is uh which recently has been elected um the on steam the best story um uh, in the video game industry for this year um are there trends in the storytelling um do you, I mean, from one year to the to another, does that change that kind of thing? Mm, I,
3: I'm, I'm not the world's <laughs> the greatest expert, uh, I think, uh, on storytelling, but from my sort of humble perspective, I think, uh, you know, in the last five years, maybe maybe a little bit longer, there was this shift in, maybe in A games towards sort of open world storytelling. And I think there was a lot mm. of uh, sort of growing pains and adjustment, the difference between telling a story and this kind of predictable level and this this very sort of uh, like a fireworks display you're, you're impressing the player you're, you're feeding them the information and then there's more open world kind of paradigm where uh, you're you're really sort of letting a player discover themselves through their interaction with the world at their own pace and it, it's a completely different style of of storytelling i think but
2: can i can i just jump in yeah. for a second on. I, yeah well i just wanted to actually kind of more for the previous. Uh, question um about i mean it's about storytelling generally um i'm teaching uh, uh, improv to some various groups and some kids today actually um and uh, also coincidentally reading uh, one of david M- uh, mammoth's books playwright, screenwriter director um mm. and talking about you know storytelling i mean what do we what do we actually want in a story and that is a uh, with a hero and obviously in a computer game it's very clear who that is especially in that in armor three's case um it's the player himself and then actually actually you know you what you're doing is is essentially classic storytelling is there is a problem the hero's path which we don't know what those problems are how they will complicate themselves and then we want to come up with a, a creative um ending that it, is going to surprise the audience right which is kind of what you guys do when you're com- creating a computer game the amazing thing about it is the is the scale of it actually for me is that is the scale of the, of the projects you're creating because a film is very very limited you know you don't mm. interesting you were talking about uh, neutral characters well you kind of really need to minimize those neutral characters in a film because they're just getting in the way actually mm. But in life, we meet neutral characters every day, right? The guy in the shop, the taxi driver. So it's interesting that you have to even think about them, whereas a a screenwriter would discard them completely. Uh, So, yeah, I I see similarities, actually. I do see similarities.
3: Sort of bouncing back on that that hero's journey, I think it's very interesting that, you're saying this because um originally the miller character he was this more classic hero he was the the guy that was there to save the world he had a lot of agency um but when we sort of shifted things around a little bit uh on the armor 3 project it was it was almost the 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 feeling that we wanted to explore was more about being more powerless, more like a cog in a bigger machine, just a small element of a big, scary world sort of thing. And, and one of the reasons we moved uh, Miller from being this like badass was to say, yeah, he can still be that, but he's over there now. And as a player character, I do have to go on this journey, but I'm, I'm small and um, I need to be smart and I need to accept that I can't because armor is a different type of experience from a sort of a battlefield or a Call of Duty where you're you're saving the world. I think you're sort of more. It's
2: well, so a it's a more it's a more realistic and more, maybe yeah. more interesting hero's journey, and also puts Miller yeah. uh, a face of something that is uh, a power that is kind of unspoken or unapproachable. Yeah, I don't know. I, I it's it's. it's um, I mean, I said before that I'm not a gamer, but that doesn't mean to say I don't understand uh story making and it does um i yeah i'm i'm i mean i'm impressed really by the the thought process and the and the conviction with which these things are carried through it's but it's pretty uh it's impressive from my from my perspective um, it is
0: um as a player and um as a potential creator because um as you guys all know the the editor in the game obviously enables you to create endlessly, uh, and especially scenarios. Um, and uh, I've, I've tried myself at creating a scenario. I mean, actually really creating a scenario, meaning the scenario, writing it. And I find myself struggling because it's, it's, it's actually very complicated. Um, you, you actually need to think about your story, but the story needs to be interesting enough to to hold the player from uh, when he spawns to when he dies to when he actually succeeds and uh, anything can happen in the middle and um, it, it's amazing how complicated it is in the end. Mm um back to storytelling um how um how much changes uh in storytelling did laws of war uh, dlc introduce or laws of war for all of you listening is orange um that uh dlc that takes place with um uh, with uh, how, how do you call that uh, life savers um people that that um come in and uh, after a battle uh, or during a battle, take care of civilians and um just a human humanitarian humanitarian, yeah. humanitarian sorry um a faction that that comes in and and uh, helps the the poor people that obviously are um, caught into the fights um and mm. the Laws of War DLC introduced a lot of changes. How, how? How? What's your experience with that? Because we know that you participated in the creation of that DLC, mm. and uh, I know for sure, one hundred percent sure, that it's one of the most appreciated stories uh, that was uh, provided in in ArmA three. The campaign was globally um, welcomed um, because it was new um, in its own way. And can we have you talk about that specifically?
1: Just quietly, too. It's my favorite out of all of the DLCs, I think. Oh that is that is the right uh, that is the right
3: opinion. You've you've selected the correct <laughs> deals. No, it's no uh it's, it's no lie. Um it is no it's no secret that uh Lozer was my like personal sort of favorite project. Um it's a little unfair to say that because there had a there was a lot of things, there was a lot of conditions, a lot of context that made it an easier project to develop. Um uh, I could talk about, you know, it's, it's a DLC at the end of a, of a large period of investment in Armour 3 as a platform, so a lot fewer things were broken, uh, a lot more <laughs> stuff was available to us, and we could focus more on what we wanted to achieve, what we wanted to tell, what we wanted to explore, than sort of fighting fires and sort of uh f- f- fixing fixing the things that were really important to the to the community as a whole we could we could tell a, a more focused story that didn't have to appeal to everyone but sort of uh have something say something which we wanted to say um if you just excuse me i need to plug in my laptop otherwise we'll 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 have to end the conversation <laughs> sooner than i expected uh one second please go ahead. um cyrus what's
0: your what's your favorite moment in the laws of war dlc in the storyline i mean the actual storytelling
1: um i think actually my favorite bit was the the introduction so the the bit where you it it sort of introduces your character and it's talking about how you went and you uh you were looking for your brother and stuff like that and then the uh the abrupt treading on a landmine
0: yeah and uh, that turns out it's a complete
1: misdirection
0: that that was probably one mm. of the events that was intended to launch you into the into the story. Actually, like uh, the guy, mm-hmm. you, you can only hear the mine blow up, uh, and oh, that, that's just imagining yourself like just running into a city and and uh, blowing Pink. up on on the mine. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it,
3: it sounds terrible. Well, we spent well that opening uh, where you're you're having this narration and your this this retrospective sort of storytelling um i think that as a as a sort of a, a framing device as a concept that i spent a lot of time uh, prototyping just that uh, first opening to see how it would work to control this character but still have this sort of story told over the top so it was very yeah. experimental in that sense i think we were sort of inspired by games like Stanley Parable um which did this very interesting, interesting. thing with this sort of uncertain narrator kind of um, framing. Um, so we took it as a starting point. It did a lot of prototyping with how it worked. And actually, to, to go back to, to your struggle that you were describing before, like uh, how to even get to the story when you're designing a mission. Um, I, I think uh, I work very closely with with Carol Mzitzky Maj- on this one. And we really started with gameplay first. We knew what gameplay we wanted to explore in every mission. Because this Laws of War DLC, as a whole, it was adding some new features, some new content to the uh, to the platform, and we wanted to not make the mistake of you know not using it and just writing our own story. So we started with some very clear things we wanted to do about demining or about using you know a drone or and all of these things, uh, and 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 sort of setting out the skeleton of what features we wanted players to be introduced to was it was a great starting point for us to then. Understand how we would wrap that into a narrative what story we wanted to tell and we knew the beginning and we knew the end and that was really important because it allows you to do what all of these interesting things in the middle and plant some seeds and, and sort of uh, take players on this on this journey because you're confident about where you're going to finish with them and, and it makes the whole experience a lot more cohesive. Um, and we had this very conscious decision, I think, to keep the, the the scope of the project was quite small. So like the number of voice actors, for example, uh, we tried to keep it as really as small as possible. And, and in fact, like these two key roles, the um, the NGO himself uh, and and the journalist, uh, we spent a lot of time, and, and Michael will, will know this is not true for every project we worked on. We spent a lot of time casting this. We spent a lot of time doing writes and rewrites. And we gave a lot of time, to the actors to come in, uh, provide the script in advance and um, uh, and be able to to focus more on the quality of the performance than really like trying to get through everything because everything is on fire sort of thing. So we're wait, lucky wait, hang since on. we had that time.
2: Sorry, you, you said you provided the scripts in advance. But uh, what, <laughs> what, what, what happened? Uh-oh. Can you go and edit that actually? Uh... <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs>
3: Yeah, so it was a it was a lot more focused of an experience. Um, you know, four or five different actors came in to, to 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 play these two key roles. Um and we 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 recorded them. We tried to mix the voice with each of them, which has the best sort of like uh, uh, sort of harmony between the voices different but sort of that jam together well. So a lot of very interesting stuff that we just didn't have time to do uh maybe the experience to do in the past um, and i think you can feel that in the results um it's not it's not perfect by any means but it's it was certainly a an interesting exploration for us as the team uh, the team in amsterdam uh, particularly the project orange as it was called uh you, you can feel the the relationship that the team has you can feel in games sometimes and i think that what what this DLC created was a product of the, the relationships that the team had in Amsterdam and the, the amazing support that other team members in Mishek or in Bruno um, would would bring to the whole thing. It was a, uh, it was a great uh, uh, process. I think as a whole for me.
0: My personal favorite um, in that campaign was uh, that moment when you launched that strike on. On the city, on the town, mm. and <laughs> at the end, um, the narratives um, talking between themselves um, with the with the journalist, you know, uh, uh, end up questioning themselves on was it really Csat? And that's the actual only time where you see Miller really in that um, in that uh, DLC. Uh, mm-hmm. you briefly see him during that little glitch you have on the screen which is extremely well yeah. done by the way um and and you're like oh my god would it be him and you're just like speculating on things and that Probably, is exactly yes. what you you're, you're going to be <laughs> doing yeah yeah actually that would fit uh but um you're actually speculating on what could and could not. And that's usually something that you would do on with series, for example, or films, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking about Inception, you know, the end of Inception when, when he yeah, flips that top, thing yeah. uh, and you're speculating on things and that's exactly what is exciting about storytelling.
3: Yeah that that shades of gray as we discussed uh, with that that Miller brings.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um I think that's what really brought the character so much popularity. Um moving on to um things that you have um introduced into the more technical part um that's obviously not really something that the user or the player would have noticed uh which is performance capture what is that um jay and how when did it um when did it uh step in and what did you use it for and and so on
3: mm. Yeah, it, it really it calls back again to to something that Michael was uh, was was talking about before. Um, so to get our terminology kind of right, um, the, the way I see it uh, is uh, motion capture really it's about capturing the, the movement of a of, of a character or an actor inside the studio, and it doesn't necessarily involve capturing a performance like the audio or the. Uh, the, the it, um... There's no connection between like what a character is saying and their movements. So you might. Use motion capture, for example, to um, a running animation or a jogging animation, s- s- something to do with locomotion, for example. What, what we would mean by performance capture is to say we're going to be um, taking some facial movements, for example. We didn't in this case, to be honest. We, we, we But we did record Michael's performance, um, the uh, his lines of dialogue he was acting out this the briefing scenes at the same time as we were capturing his movements And that doesn't happen in any other uh, part of the game. So so that that happened with Captain Miller and with with Stavro and um, uh, With the, the the NATO commander in in the, in the third episode of the campaign um, And it was an experiment to, to be honest, we could have done it a different way We could have just got Michael into the booth and, and had him read the lines and captured some uh, the, the movements he would make walking around the briefing room pointing to the board and so on um that's how we did it in the past there are a lot of easier things michael wouldn't have to learn the lines for example um it's a lot less stressful to do it like that but we are sort of curious developers um we, we like to experiment we have this world or bohemia sorry it has this world class sort of motion capture studio attached to it's it's, uh, its headquarters so it's like well maybe we can go and try it see how yeah. it works for us what can it bring um, but, but normally uh, again this is just my own, my own opinion but but for armor 3 uh, going in this direction having a lot of very specific performance capture doesn't really sort of jive with the overall vision of the game as a platform because these these uh, performances they're very specific that they're, they're great for you know a highly realized Cutscene, but we don't really do cutscenes in Armour 3. Because yeah. we, we prefer a more systemic, a modular approach. How can we tell a story in a way that the community can go and pull it apart and use it again? Um, so it was an experiment, uh, I think, overall. Amazing. Um-
0: on still on on storytelling um, we we talked about um, laws of war that were single player but then we do have experiences of um, and that is again a very popular um, um, type of campaign is the multiplayer campaign which is co-op basically. Mm. And uh, so how is multiplayer different from single player uh, when it comes to storytelling, Um, AKA Apex, you know, the, the Apex Mm. um, protocol uh, campaign. Um, Which does heavily
1: feature Miller, I believe. Which, which (laughs) completely,
0: yeah, which completely features uh, Miller.
3: Um, Well, multiplayer is an order of magnitude more difficult than single player. You sort of, from a mission design perspective to a storytelling perspective. Like everything you do is impossibly difficult when you control so little in, in single-player, and in multiplayer, you just mul- multiply the, the complexity by the number of players that you bring. Um, so Apex was really like a head-on, again, experiment for us to say, we're interested in trying. What what can we achieve with, with co-op storytelling? Um, Tom, uh, Tom Ryan, Zipper5, as he was in the, the community, uh, was very passionate about um, exploring this topic uh, and brought a lot of um, of himself and and his uh, an inspiration to this uh, to this effort because um, we'd made a lot of you know story uh, we we'd spent a lot of time creating the story in ArmA three single player and we thought hey we we like playing co-op we sort of some of us don't even play single player in the team some of us are co-op only so let's try to do something um let's try something different and see what we can learn and and hopefully (laughs) create an experience that people will enjoy um and that's where it started from um one of the biggest issues for example with multiplayer um the audio director i work with with now uh, at google he, he used to work on rainbow six siege and he said the, the saddest thing was you could make the most perfect music track in the world and the first thing people <laughs> do in multiplayer is turn it off so they can hear their friends and it's the same with storytelling you you have to respect the fact that people bring themselves to the story and when they're in multiplayer they bring this it, it's about people coming together and talking and having their own fun so you can't be too heavy-handed with these big story moments in the middle of, you know, a fun play session where you're sort of uh, having a laugh with it, with, with, with your friends. Um, and those are the kind of challenges that I think we tried to, and in some cases maybe failed a little bit in, in the Apex uh, campaign, but it was, a, it was about learning and experimenting and, um,
1: yeah. I suppose you use a lot more visual storytelling in, in multiplayer. So the, the things you place around the level to probably tell more of a story than what's said.
3: That's a great point yeah um I, I think we 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 would try to do that as much as possible like really not hold players hands show not tell that was a big part of uh, laws of war as well um this environmental storytelling letting people discover things at their own pace sort of thing uh, that was definitely one of the one way to to get over this problem and the other was of course the the animated uh, these briefing sequences that happen between the missions um uh, we we sort of we tried to dump uh, some of the progression some of the beats some of like hey this is what's happening in these moments between when you're in in combat or, or one of your friends is uh, is calling you out for being an idiot um, <laughs> that was one of the the specific things that we consciously did like let's progress our, our main story beats in these intermezzo uh, videos um, which was a very different approach to to, to what we'd taken in the past uh, and again it was a, a product of wanting to try something and and also of the constraints that we were working within
0: i have um one last question uh related to miller um that just uh, popped in my head uh, right now uh you d- did you participate in the conception of um old man
3: uh, old man was just a. Uh, uh, it was starting to be to be uh experimented with shall i say uh, just as i as i left the armor 3 team I was, I was starting to work on the um on the company level with some other projects oh, okay uh, nice. and then i think it it really took its form um uh, a little bit after i left uh, right. so yeah I want so to
0: comment. yeah so 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 you won't be able to to answer my question but i was extremely interesting and interested sorry in um was it who came up with the idea of having a steam achievement on when when you actually kill miller <laughs> like <laughs> if you shoot miller you, you get an achievement like i don't i don't remember what what's the uh what's the name of the achievement but that was that was so satisfying like uh you've you've during during your your playthrough the the whole game you've multiple times you've especially in the main campaign when miller um takes east wind uh for himself and and betrays you and leaves you for you know in 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 i would say deep shit um you you, you know you'd want to kill miller and that one time in that de- in that um scenario you can and it's extremely satisfying i would really want to have uh, uh bohemian's uh input on that that would be amazing
3: i think you'd probably have to ask uh someone like scott owlsworth who who by it would mm-hmm. it would be yeah. wrong of me not to mention he was a fantastic partner in the, yeah. in the creation of the laws of war dlc he put a lot of heart and soul into into that a lot of words Uh, also a big part of the contact uh, expansion Uh, i think i think scott might have a thing or two to say about that um for sure uh, we
0: mentioned his name a few times before in in previous podcasts i personally met him on um, bohemian interactive's uh, 20th birthday and it was a, a, a blessing this guy is just amazing in his work and personally he's just a such a humble guy um he's a lovely chap he's, yeah uh,
3: he's the heart and soul of the armaverse uh he definitely took took on the button and uh, and really ran with it uh, really
0: yeah. and we're obviously looking forward to uh, everything that he's still um contributing to um he obviously does not. Uh, He is not able to to give us information i did go to him to to try and you know push buttons and and ask him about what he's doing but he can't so too bad but yeah we will will um have him i do the the same i don't get anything
3: either
0: Uh, (laughs) i guess so Uh, but yeah i've we will be extending an, an invite uh to him uh in the future i have not right now because i know he has uh, a huge amount of work and i really do not want to put any pressure on him um so yeah but um i agree on that uh last but not least um we have a, another um uh, community uh, question for for you uh it's pushed f- uh, by ctrg 17 um which is a, a community um
1: the japanese community i believe
0: um i don't know but i'll 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 believe you on that um and they were asking how does ctrg recruitment work yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> i don't think they have an application form on a website no, i think that way. they just uh, <laughs> pick,
0: they just pick the best of the best or the the evilest of all
3: <laughs> you can imagine a a quiet conversation in the back room uh a, sh- a shake of the hand and no more can be said
0: no contract <laughs> um well guys this is um all for the, the the main topics of of this podcast i'm i'm thrilled to having uh both of you on the show um and and we really are all looking forward to having a Uh, A closer look at um, Miller's adventures. Um, Miller has um, obviously had his own adventures on social media. I don't know if you're aware, but uh, meme Miller is a great thing on Twitter. And uh, (laughs) we miss that a lot. So community, please, please create crazy pictures about Miller. We love them. So thank you um Michael uh for coming on the show uh, It was a blessing to have you and and share your experience and your voice because that, thank you that was you. that was really really interesting and we um uh, it was as as I already said off recording it, it is really impressive um for me as a player to be talking to the actual character or the the voice of the character um the of the game i've been playing for ages so yeah it it was well, really nice having you
2: well and- it's a it's a it's a pleasure to to be asked i was uh i was really quite chuffed when you finally got hold of me and I, I worked out what it is you wanted in that initial phone conversation and uh yeah and i i you know uh I, you know i understand miller's miller's still around so i hope i hope there'll be more coming um i'm sure there is and just you know selfless uh, shameless plug that actors have to do uh you know just check out my my Instagram and Facebook and all that jazz yeah i was i was um, going
0: to ask where we can um, um where can people um look you up and and find you um I'm going to insist on one point as well is um you you kind of said that previously the action, the acting world is a is a kind of cruel world so um like if you're interested in 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 hiring people and especially Michael um feel feel free to go and contact him uh, there's there's plenty of uh, people I'm sure that uh, need this kind of thing, not only in the Armour 3 community, if someone in the, uh, in the industry just like stumbles across uh, this amateur podcast, um, I'm sure that they'll be very interested in, in working with, with you and having well, your experience. Thank you.
2: Thank you for saying that. That's great. Uh, yeah, Instagram, uh, Pikey, Pikey Metz, uh, and Facebook, Michael Pitten uh, is my acting page there. We'll uh, put all I... the links
0: in the description for everyone.
2: Superb, yeah. And uh, well, and I hope I uh, well just to say I hope uh, you know you you are all happy and safe wherever you are in this uh, in this crazy upside down business that we're all in at the moment. So, is that yeah. what
3: Miller really thinks? I don't know.
2: No, maybe he's... no. Miller Miller's <laughs> just Miller's in the Caribbean right now, sipping a piña colada or uh, whatever it is he likes. Gin, gin, straight gin, gin, probably gin. <laughs>
0: probably Jen yeah <laughs> and and so thank you Jay as well for for hopping on this podcast um it was um so i i, I didn't actually know if you you had heard about our work here on the podcast uh, so i still did introduce our, our work um uh, with the emails we we exchanged uh, so many thanks for for hopping on and obviously talking about your previous experience with with the game um it's always really nice to hear about the internal voice of Bohemia interactive and what actually really happened uh even if we have it um afterwards you know we don't have um the information until it actually comes out but that's that's how yes. it works
3: yeah, uh, it was an uh, absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Um, shout out to Yoris uh, Jan van Atlantis, the, the project lead of Armor Three. He, um, a good friend of mine. Uh, he he put me in contact with you guys, and and uh, it is it is never uh, never a problem to for me to go down memory line and talk about some of these experiences. Um, uh, it, again, it would be remiss of me not to sort of also say thank you to the, the all of the Armor Three team uh, over the years. I made some great friends, some great uh, experiences, and. Uh, like armor three as a platform was really a product of the love of everyone that, that that was developing as well as the community that that met us right at the frontier of uh of this development it's uh it's, a, it's an honor to to talk about miller as well
0: thank you so much for coming and yeah um if uh, you are all interested in in listening to uh yoris um talk about uh armor three at its current state meaning update 2.0 um we did uh uh, a podcast i think it's a podcast 34 30 no, 35 i think i don't remember 35 i think uh where we were talking about um yeah um just uh, scroll down and and find that uh armor 3 2.0 and you'll obviously be um, discovering also naso uh, which is a very cool mod uh, that we featured in that podcast as well that's it, people. Thank you all for for listening to this podcast. Again, it was a long podcast, but who cares? I mean, podcasts are long in general. I've been doing a little research and, yeah, they're long, so whatever. And the topic is extremely interesting here today. Again, mm-hmm. we had Miller, we had J. Crow, amazing guests. And obviously, um, uh, Michael Pitten, the the voice actor, is a great guy. And I don't know if he you 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 think the same as me cyrus but i really thought that the michael pitton the guy really felt like miller
1: you know in Mm, he he did he's it's always good when when someone comes on with a lot of passion and uh clearly both of those guys have uh really got some passion for this
0: yeah and and he did i i'm sure he did bring a lot of his own personality in the um in in the um, in the in the character obviously not the, mm. the downsides i mean not the the negative sides of miller because miller can be a dick I'm, I'm sure michael is a fantastic guy but i could feel the energy you know that oh, was great and uh, until uh, next transmission radio silence